Hey, welcome to Dot Grid, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital. My name is Will Fangy, and I am joined, as I always am, by my friend, Mr. Andy Welfley. Andy, how's it going? That's very good. How's everything in Tennessee? Have you melted yet? Oh, my God. No, well, see, see, that's the thing, is I could melt, but I wouldn't evaporate off of whatever surface I melted onto because the humidity is approximately uh, 114%. Uh, today it was 91 with a heat index of hell. Uh yeah, it's uh, it's not it's not good here. It's been pretty bad around here. It's been around thirty percent humidity here. I am gonna kick you in the head <laughs> over the internet. No, good. Well, you know it's El Nino, so it's extra humid here instead of uh, it's usually like ten zero percent humidity because of you know no water. But right. uh, yeah, but we've had it's an El Nino year. I'm told. I feel like. Um, I was, I'm, I follow someone on Twitter who also lives in San Francisco and they said you had a bit of a heat wave. What did it top 80 there at some point in the past couple of days? Um, yeah, well actually in San Francisco itself, it's usually consistently 15 degrees cooler than where I am just midway down the peninsula. So it was, uh, 80, 85 here yesterday, uh, which is pretty darn hot, but San Francisco, it's usually around like 75 or 80. That sounds abysmal. I'll be there tomorrow. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's been really bad here. I was, um, engaging, I say engaging. I don't know that uh, you can call Twitter actually engaging in a conversation if you tweet at someone, they tweet back, and then it's over. But I was talking with um, Bradley Chambers and uh, the pen addict, Mr. Brad Dowdy. Oh, yeah. Because we're all here in the same general southeastern vicinity, and we um, were commenting back and forth about how Dark Sky, the um, forecasting mm-hmm. app for iOS, has had, has had the raindrop in the forecast at least a 10 to 15% chance of rain every day for like the past two weeks. And some days we get rain all day and some days we don't get rain at all. <laughs> and that's, that's what the summer is in the Southeast. It's, it's like breathing through a hot, wet blanket. Yeah. Indiana is a lot like that in the, in the summer too. I imagine there's, you know, guys don't get much breeze cause of those cornfields or something, right? Well, and we're, we're close enough to the great lakes where we get some, some of the effect of that too. Ah, well, this has been the first two and a half minutes of weather with Will <laughs> and Andy again. Um, anything been going on uh, at work? Anything been going on personally that is at all related to the digital and or analog that we could somehow bring around back to a topic that people are interested in? Yeah, I guess. Um, well, neither related to personal nor work. I guess some other side stuff. I uh, finally um, sort of like reconsolidated my pencil collection. I... Um, I have a I have a good um, thirty cigar boxes full of pencils and a, and a good number of notebooks, and I've sort of had them split up between uh, a couple different boxes that have existed in a couple different places. So there have been some things I haven't really had access to easily for a while, and we just kind of spent this weekend um, consolidating that. And now I can fit everything into one of those uh, four by two things from IKEA. You know, like the cubbyhole things. Yeah, are those are those modular? Can you just go uh, yeah. out and buy more modules? Sort of. Yeah, I, d- I can't remember. There's two different kinds. There's like the Billy and the Mjolnir. No, that's uh, Thor's hammer. Uh, no, I I, <laughs> I don't know what it's called. Um, it's, it's probably got an umlaut on it somewhere. Yeah, yeah. It's the it's the two by four thing, and I I kind of like managed to cram everything in there. So I'm I'm pretty pretty excited with myself. Did you have to trim down and get rid of anything, or did you just kind of find need interesting ways to stack it so it looked smaller? 
Uh, well, I, I pretty much had almost everything in cigar boxes to begin with. Um, I feel like we may have talked about this before, but maybe it's only been in the Erasable group. Um, the, where I used to live, there was a, a, a cigar shop in town that would sell the empty cigar boxes for a quarter. Um, and I would go with a kind of a, a unsharpened Blackwing as a template and just buy all the pencil boxes I could that would fit pencils in them. And uh, now I have, yes, yeah, several cigar boxes full of uh, pencils. And I, I need to... Uh, better categorize them and trim it down. But let's face it, I don't. I didn't. No, no. <laughs> I I have all of. You know my... what? This should be a topic today. We should. Oh my gosh! It's we should talk about holding on to things. Yeah. Lots of things. All of the things. All of the things. Um, the digital and analog hoarding episode that we have alluded to many times. Maybe we should make this that episode, as though we've planned it. Maybe we should. That would be that would be a thing that we could do that we could talk about. It's almost as if I tweeted about it earlier today to see if anyone had any questions and. A couple of people did, and one person actually wrote it down. Um, on the same, in the same vein as you, I have all of my pencils and notebooks sort of condensed onto one wall, onto two shelves, and two highball glasses. I obviously don't have the time, experience, or money invested into uh, collecting pencils like you do. I'm trying to think. I don't really have. I collect hobbies and then discard them when I realize I'm not as good at them as I want to be. <laughs> but other than that, I don't really know that I have. Um, I had a thing for neckties for a while. I know you're. An, I know you're a necktie guy too. Mm, I have a bunch of ne- necktie. I haven't worn a necktie in so long. I wore one last week once, and sometimes I would wear them to work back when I still had my job. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit, too, back when I still had a job where I had to wear a tie. Um, but yeah, I guess that's really the only thing I was attached to for a while. Now you and Tim and Johnny have me on this pencil kick, and I've got some pens sitting around, but I don't really um, I don't really have things that I collect. Are you a collector of anything besides pencils and notebooks and stuff that people may already know about? Well, yeah, I... Um I kind of tend to see, you know, people who collect a lot of things. Um, it, they remind me very much of my mother and myself. Um, I consider that sort of like borderline hoarding. Like, people are just really interested in things and uh, form really sentimental attachments to things and don't want to throw them away. And uh, then you end up with um, collections. Like, I have, a, I have some cool old, like, Vegas matchbooks that I have found at various antique stores throughout the years. I've never actually been to Vegas. Um, but I have a bunch of matchbooks. I have... Uh, I, I, I've I've pretty much been able to kind of center around uh, collecting like pencils and notebooks and kind of keep it at that. But I've definitely had co- little collections of things that just take up space and I never really think about. All right. I have a question that then has a follow-up question. Yes. Do you have the Vegas matchbooks out on display anywhere? Uh, currently, no. I have them in a cigar box. Then but why do you have them? I don't know. Okay. So I'm going to refer you to um, something I wrote in the early days of Medium. Uh, this may have actually been the first thing I ever wrote for Medium, but uh, when I kind of got access to the beta, I was so excited, and I had been thinking about writing this. But... Uh, it's called On Being a Borderline Hoarder, and it's uh, – I basically just blame my mother, as as you do. Yeah, it's, it, it's 2015. If it's yeah. not our parents' fault, then you got to blame Facebook. And we, you can't blame Facebook. Uh, I'll, I'll blame Facebook. Okay. Well, uh, let's blame we'll, – bl- we'll blame Silicon Valley as well. Perfect. So uh, I'm not going to read this whole thing, but basically I just talk about how I've, I've always been a cluttered person, and for that I blame my mother. Um, and she's somebody who – 
she has lots of little collections. She has seed packets. She has vintage board games. She has like mid-century advertising kitsch. Um, so, so it's always a really cool thing. She has a Santa Claus collection. Uh, she collects Fisher Price Little People, um, and she just has a lot of like little collections and. Uh, I, I think it's, it's probably for her and for me a little bit closer to, um, kind of to hoarding tendencies than to actual collections. I think that pencils are different because I, I'm actually trying to be interested in the, and I am in the history and, and kind of like being a little bit of a completionist there. Whereas a lot of times it's just like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to keep just hold on to this. Well, so. and, and you're using them. I don't know what your mother would be doing with a bunch of Fisher Price little people unless she takes them with her to school. Right. Um, which, I mean, at, at some point, if you're a collector, there's certain things you don't do with parts of your collections, especially expose them to five and six year olds. Well, and my, and my collection definitely, uh, my pencil collection definitely far exceeds my Sable number. Um, that's a, a term that Brad Doughty coined. I think he coined it. Um, it's about how your supply. Do you know? Do you know this term? Yeah, it's um, supply. supply. It's the. It's where um, you know you have more than you'll ever be able to logically use. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I can't find the term right now, but I have way more than I would ever use. Um, plus, I have whole whole aspects of the collection that I don't use, um, like old advertising pencils or souvenir pencils, things like that. Those are just cool old pencils that are not extraordinary in their performance, but are reminiscent of something. D- so, do you take them out and look at them and hug them and stuff? Oh, uh, Sometimes. I look okay. through them, yeah. Um, but mostly people just give them to me and I put them in a box. Which is, you go, oh, this is a really nice pencil. Thanks. I yeah. know that you were thinking of me when you saw this. Yeah. Because now you're the guy that collects pencils. So so when it comes to, this is, this is getting a little heavy. Um, when it comes to like mental illness, I think probably the one that I can relate to the most uh, would be hoarding. I'm not somebody who saves old pizza boxes or like, you know, has you know, jars of his own pee stored away. Don't worry about that. It's not, you don't have newspaper stacked up into furniture. Well, here's the thing. I did at one point in my life be convince myself that I needed to keep multiple copies of every newspaper that I ever wrote something for. Oh, that's okay. I live with one of those too. You go ahead and finish telling your story and then, and don't worry, this is not going to be a, <laughs> a Andy and Elizabeth are the only hoarders or are the only hoarders thing. I'm going to talk about it too, but go ahead. Tell me what you ended up doing with all those newspapers. So, well, mostly I just, met my significant other and uh she was like no no we need to get rid of this and 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 that was like on the edge of the point when people who wanted to be journalists still had like actual portfolios with like with literal clips in them yeah like clip books yeah 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 so eventually i would you know go on to just like put it all on a website and you know link to that but yeah i i definitely got rid of all of the newspapers except for a couple that i wrote a front page story for and was very proud of so yeah i definitely i I definitely feel like i can relate the closest to a hoarder over somebody like you know who might have bipolar disorder or somebody who might um you know have a mental illness that i don't come close to right it's, yeah. it's i'm not saying i'm a hoarder but i would say that i'm probably a borderline hoarder yeah the line in the piece that you wrote that really stuck out to me was um when you said that there's a dark underbelly to collections and collectors and things like that because there is a really fine line between oh there's andy he's that guy that collects all the really cool pencils and oh there's and there's andy he's the guy that has all of those pencils <laughs> right he's the one who can't see out of his car window because of all the pencils 
Right. So. He's, he's, he sees them on sale somewhere, and he just picks up all of Like, there's a difference between collecting pencils and collecting all of the pencils. Yeah. Um, my wife... Yeah, she she makes a a living out of it. Yeah, no, we have um we have a building in our house that's approximately in our house. We don't have a building in our house. We have a building <laughs> on on the property here that is approximately the size of like a portable classroom. Are you familiar with those? They I have am. those in Indiana. Um, we have a portable sized building. Uh, it's climate controlled. It's got a good roof on it. Everything else where all of our vintage is stored. Um. This is a result of uh, my wife was a journalist for more than a decade, uh, and a darn good with that. She was writing for our Alt Weekly here in Nashville when I met her. Before that, she was the reporter for the small town uh, newspaper in the small town where she lived. Um, she was working like 45-hour weeks and taking like 18 hours at college uh, in college at the same time because that's, you know, that's what she did. She wanted to be a reporter, and... She also has a fondness for vintage and um, and thrifting and things like that. And it came down to, we always make the joke that the reason that she went into business is because um, I said, you got to figure out what you're going to do with some of this stuff. And she said, oh, well, I'll just start a business and rent it out to other people. And then I can just keep buying stuff because it's making money back. Mm-hmm. And there was a while there for a while. That was kind of how we determined whether or not we were going to invest in a piece is if you could rent it X number of times and have it pay for itself, then it essentially bought itself, but that got to the point where we were living in a three-bedroom house with an attic in East Nashville, and rent prices were slowly but surely going up, and we had to figure out what we were going to do with things, and so then we moved into a four-bedroom house, and now we live in this massive farmhouse out out here with extra buildings and things like that, and we've discussed maybe uh, moving if the job that I've applied for works out because we are now more than an hour outside of Nashville and the job I'm looking at would be right in the heart of town. And that's a heck of a commute. That is, you know, an hour or an hour and 15 minutes, not counting traffic five days a week. Um, that's another, you know, 10 plus hours that I could be at home if we lived in Nashville or, uh, you know, somewhere closer. So we've been doing a whole lot of the, we've been considering trimming down. We are not people who are always, we always feel really good about it happening. And then somehow we go to move again. And the stuff is like, didn't we just get rid of all this? Yeah. Like we moved because when she and I met, we both lived in one bedroom apartments and, you know, so we had two sets of everything. We decided to move to New York and you don't go from two reasonably sized one bedroom apartments into a one bedroom apartment in New York and expect to bring everything with you. Cause you know, it's, it's New York. I'm surprised we didn't have things stacked up in the bathroom with the limited amount of space that we had there. So it's every time we move, it's time to slim down, but it also is like, why do I still have this box of, I don't know, Shit that I emptied out of a nightstand at one point when I had to move the nightstand and I didn't take everything out of the box. Like, why do I still have this? Why do you do you keep things just in case? Um, sometimes I would say it's moreover I keep things because I've had them for a very long time and who am I to now get rid of them? I guess it's a little bit like forming a sentimental attachment pretty easily. I'll, I have some stuff like I have a whole bunch of Star Trek micro machines. Do you remember these? I do remember Micro Machines. Yeah. My, so Micro Machines uh, made a series of like really good little like Star Wars and Star Trek spaceships. And I had all of them. And I loved, loved them when I was a kid. And I, there's no way I can bring myself to get rid of them, even though they take up some space. Um, because they're so great. If ever I need to like look at a 
model of the Enterprise B, an Excelsior-class starship, I can just uh, pull it out and check it out. But I have not yet come to that point. But at the same time, you know, what if I do? It's uh, uh, it, Yeah, I definitely have, like, sentimental attachments that I form pretty easily. No, I'm, I'm with you there. When I... Um, when I moved into, I think it was my second or my third apartment was about the same time, um, that my dad and my stepmother moved from the house that I grew up in into the house where they live now. And in the process, um, my, they were cleaning things out as they were moving along. And a lot of it was stuff that had originally belonged to my mom, uh, before she passed away. And I think at one point I walked up to my apartment and realized from the parking lot that my father and stepmother had been there because there was a stack of boxes on my patio, the top of which was one of those, um, you know, those big Tupperwares that are not very tall, but are kind of wide that you can slide under the bed. Mm hmm. Full of beanie babies, dog. I'm not even kidding. Uh, well, you never like, know. Those those could gain value again. The likelihood of that happening, slim. <laughs> my, my sister had one of those uh, Princess Diana beanie babies, the purple uh, bear. Yeah. That was very common, yet everybody talked about how rare it was. One of well, No, it's one of my sister's friends growing up was on the front page of the lifestyle section of our local uh, newspaper when Beanie Babies became all the rage because she had been collecting them for longer. And it was that stereotypical, because she's like an 11 or 12-year-old girl, she's just laying somewhere and is surrounded by Beanie Babies all around her head. It's just an investment in her future, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know that she has them anymore. Last I <laughs> checked, she was, uh, she was attempting to get a job being an art teacher, I think, somewhere in Colorado, which sounds like an awesome job, but I I don't know if the Beanie Babies helped out with that at all. Um, but I held on to those for a long time because they had sentimental value to me. Now, I couldn't pick out more than two or three that had any specific sentimental value. Um, and Elizabeth helped me out a lot with this when we moved to New York, as I see Katie is helping you every time you guys move. There are certain things that I have that I have an attachment to that I can't explain the attachment to. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just got to rip off the Band-Aid and give it all to one of your siblings so they can hold on to it for you. Um, well, well, we we joke about, you know, my parents' house, the basement is just full of crap. And we, we, we joke about amongst, I have four little sisters, we all kind of amongst ourselves joke about when one of my, when my parents pass away, uh, who's going to go deal with uh, the stuff in the basement. And I think probably it's not going to be me because I'm going to want to go through everything and then keep everything. But it's because, oh, this reminds me of my mother or, oh, mm -hmm. this has so much history. Whereas, no, we just need to burn it down and collect the insurance money. Yeah, that's, well... Now you've said something about it on the internet. So. Well, yeah, now. Well, people people don't know where my old house was. I know a guy that can probably get you set up with a guy <laughs> that I feel like Find Jake probably web. knows someone. Yeah. He's, well, he's kind of he's kind of the guy. I've seen Jake play with matches. Well, I'm not saying Jake has to be the guy. Well, yeah. I'm not saying he can't be the guy. Maybe he can help me get on the dark web and find somebody. Yeah, he seems like he seems like he would know his way around, or at least, like I said, know a guy that knows his way around. <laughs> I had the same kind of stuff, or I had the same kind of sentimental attachment to some of those things, because again, uh, as we've talked about very briefly, my, um, my mom passed away when I was 18, and... It was one of those things where it wasn't sudden, we kind of knew it was coming, and I began to develop weird sentimental attachments to things because this was uh, the last of this that my mom ever gave me, or the last of this that we ever did together. Or, dude, I held on to a thing of mints. Uh -huh. I'm not even kidding you. Like a thing of Mentos for probably um, at least a half a dozen years because it was the last thing my mom ever gave me. And it's yeah. not like like my mom at that point was sick enough that I don't know that she was really 100% with it when she did that, but... I, 
Dude, Mentos don't last for six years. You would not want to eat one, I'm sure. I know. I, I could probably need some use dental them, work. Yeah. Right. Uh, accidental dental work. I could, yeah. you know, if you wanted to use them as like ammunition or to throw at small children, they may be good. But other than that, but so I, I understand the the hoarding from the emotional standpoint. Yeah. But what do you? At what point do you cross that line from? Oh, this is a really cool thing to have. To I can never get rid of this because. Yeah, and and I I don't think it's a an easily demarked line either. I think it's it's pretty blurry and it's a pretty slippery slope. If I may just like keep on spouting cliches, um, just because you know I have this cool little marble, this clay marble that has a lot of history and it's really neat. And I bought it um, when I was like last time I was hanging out with my cousins in South Carolina many years ago and you know w- what's the reason to hold on to it is it because it has histor- like objective historical value or is it because it has a some sentimental attachment or or what um i don't know the same thing i, I think you can apply that toward like some of my vintage pencils too like uh, i have a bunch of old black wings and if if anybody listening to the show knows anything about wooden pencils uh you probably know that black wings are pretty valuable um the original black wings are pretty valuable on on ebay and kind of the market because they're not made anymore and they're highly sought after i guess the same holds true with beanie babies um i, I don't quite know where I'm going with this. The value is in the eye of the beholder. Right. It ha- does it have like objective value or like, I guess, market decided value or does it have personal value? And what what justifies, what's, what's the price of keeping that? You know, keeping a pencil around, no big deal, but keeping 300 pencils around, big deal. Everything adds up. Right. And, and moving with them and carrying them around the country. And yeah, if it's 300 pencils here, at what point yeah. does it become, you know, four boxes and four paper boxes of notebooks? I find myself falling into not necessarily keeping things for sentimental value, but I fall back on that old, the Boy Scout model, uh-huh. be prepared. You never know when you're going to need this. Maybe you need this baby for baby for kindling. <laughs> Like the apocalypse comes and all of a sudden you have no heat. <laughs> you can light it with my old Vegas matchbooks. I don't even know what's in those. That may not be safe to burn. <laughs> Synergistic solutions. <laughs> and there we go. That's synergy. This is why we get along so well, because you have the flame and I have the fuel. No, I I have um, a Timbuktu yeah. a laptop messenger bag that I've talked about before that I just call my bag. Um and I, every once in a while, I have to make it a point to go through it because yeah. I will collect things in there that I will hold on to just in case. Like, uh, I have a bandana in there. I have a deck of cards in there. I have a set of chopsticks, a plastic spoon, and a plastic fork. I don't know why. Yeah, well, I mean, like, you never I, know. I mean, I, I, yeah. But, that's, but you get to a point where, no, uh, I know that the vast majority of the time... I'm not going to need to take up all that space in my bag and put all that extra weight on my shoulders because I'm probably going to be able to borrow a fork if I'm somewhere where I need a fork. Well, what happens if somebody just gives you, um, you know, some sweet and sour chicken and you just want to, like, show them how awesome you are by pulling out some chopsticks and start eating it? I would eat that stuff Fantastic Mr. Fox style, just straight (laughs) and then just, like, wave and say thank you. Uh, and walk away. I, I do have to. So I do have to say that when we moved from the house we lived in Indiana to uh, the one bedroom apartment we have out here, that that was a little bit better of a motivator to get rid of stuff. Um, you know, when when all of a sudden space is definitely at a premium and you're spending six times more in rent for half the space than you had yeah. before, it's a little bit easier to do that. But still still not easy. I, I, yeah. I assume that if you were to move closer to Nashville, you would be reducing space. 
we we would have to. That's been the big sticking point right now. Is what do we do with all the stockroom vintage stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, because could you rent like a cheap garage out in the country? Here's the thing: I don't mind paying to put the item somewhere, except for the fact that it's such a pain to get to them. Because um, true, you know, a hundred percent of the business that happens through the stockroom vintage name is rentals, and yeah, I don't have a truck. We have a Sentra. And if I can't fit it in the Sentra, then we have to rent a truck. But if I can fit it in the Sentra, it's so much nicer to be able to go outside to the stockroom, get the things that I need, put the boxes in the back of the truck and or the boxes in the back of the car, and just go to wherever it needs to be, as opposed to making sure the storage unit's going to be open at the right time, making sure I haven't lost the keys to the storage unit, getting in the car, driving you know one way to the storage unit, getting the things that I need. Oh crap, the thing we really need is actually at home. Going back home, driving to drop it off. You know, it just it adds many more steps to the process. Um, right. And that it, it gets to be annoying. So we've actually increased space as we've come this direction, but we would love to, and I never thought I'd hear my wife say this because, like I said, we've moved from progress, we've moved in, into progressively larger spaces. She just said flat out, you know, I'd be happy in a condo. And I, I, so, I mean, that'd be great because we can keep the condo clean. Dude, do you have any idea how hard it is to keep a, you've never seen my house. This house is massive. It's like 4 billion square feet. Um, oh, I, I used to live in a 2,000 square foot house that had big rooms and cavernous ceilings and dust accumulated in the corners. Dust everywhere. And the house was built in like the 1890s or the early 1900s. There are bugs and holes. And I've almost fallen through the floor in the bedroom at least three times today. So, yeah. That wasn't in that magazine article. It wasn't. No. uh, That wasn't a magazine article, (laughs) my friend. That's Design Sponge. That's a big deal. That was Design Sponge. That was Design Sponge. That's a big deal. Um, What about stuff that doesn't take up space for you? Like digital stuff. When we were talking Mm. about writing and digital things um, a little while back, you were talking about some of the files that you have from like a very early Mac. Sixth grade, yeah. Sixth grade? Because I'm sure you go back and (laughs) and reference those on the regular. All the time. Why keep them? Sometimes it's it's kind of like my own time hop. I really do you, do you use time hop i know of time hop uh abe has not made an appearance on my phone for a while i am using on this day from facebook oh well a very similar idea you know it's fun to get like little reminders about what you were doing you know a year ago two years ago etc um it's it's also fun to just like you know see what you were writing in eighth grade you know, either for for school or for for fun. Yeah, it's fun to just go back through. I have, um, you know, as as I may have mentioned before, I'm I'm kind of sci-fi obsessed, and I have been since I was in middle school. Um, we, when we got our first computer in fi- when I was in fifth grade, uh, it came with um, uh, Claris Works Paint, which was the sort of the uh, I think it's I think it's what Mac Paint evolved into um, before Apple Works, and I used to. Uh, paint little starships in my um, and then put them on floppy disks and I would keep the floppy disks around um, it's just fun to like look and see what you were doing back then see what see what kind of a person you are see how you've evolved maybe with writing style um, I think that's I don't think I really ever suffered under the like you know pretension that i was going to need to use this again if i would need to like pull up my book report about saint francis of assisi um i went to catholic school (laughs) and uh so uh but no it's fun to just like look back on it again now now the thing that has not 
really held up well are uh, the format wars and then being able to like go back and actually open those documents. I've had to like figure out this dance of importing a Clarisworks document into WordPerfect and then from WordPerfect to Word and then open it. And but none of my formatting is kept that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting to be able to go back and see what you were thinking. In, and and relatively little space t- it takes up. In the past nine months, have you spent more time carrying those floppy disks or looking at the or looking at the stuff on them? Well, actually, I have to admit, in the the floppy disks, I have. I, I'm pretty sure. I actually don't know if I brought the floppy disks with me. They're in the uh, basement because I I have. I don't even have an optical drive at home anymore. So like a CD like CD ROM drive or anything. So I. Uh, yeah, I do not have my floppy disk, but I do have old backups of school folders that I just kept, you know, I, w- I would dump every every year I would start a new school folder and I would dump the old one into like a backup folder within there. So if I just go down the nest, I can get all the way back to, I think, seventh grade. Wow. That's um, that's really far back. And it's just it follows you from computer to computer. Yeah. And uh uh, actually, this one that I'm using now, a MacBook Air, is probably the first one that I didn't just do just a full backup of. Um, we talked about this, a, I guess, a tiny bit when we were talking last episode about your new laptop right. and migration. But um, I, I've always just sort of mirrored my old computer onto the new one until this one, in which I actually spent some time uh, just putting some stuff on, on DVD backups and then putting that in a little, in a little folio. Uh, I do have that. And somewhere around here, even though I can't open it right now because I have no optical drive in my computer anymore. Um, but I do, yeah, I, I I was a little bit more selective about bringing all those forward. I, I cleaned out my photos and my, like, school folder, which I think were probably the two that took up the most space. No, I keep all my stuff. for yeah. the mo- Well, I've, I've been accused of being a borderline hoarder like you in the past. I have moved more than once with, you know, huge stacks of either newspapers or alt weeklies. Uh, there were massive Tupperware containers that came with us more than once. I am, I have been accused of being a physical object digital hoarder. I bear no attachment whatsoever to any digital files that are not currently saved in my Dropbox. <laughs> I woke up this morning, poured myself a cup of coffee, sat down with the MacBook Air in the chair that I sit in in the living room because we have uh, the couch, which is where Elizabeth and two dogs sit. We have the chair where I sit and we have the opposing chair where Mumford sits because he has his own chair. I don't know how that worked out, probably because he's the biggest. So I sat in my chair and he sat in his. Uh, and I sent you a message and said, oh, this isn't working on my phone or that's not working on my computer. And you said the four mo- or you said the most dangerous words one can possibly say to me. How close are you to a factory reset? And I went, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's how I'll spend four or five hours of my day to day. So I went. I guess ahead. I'm real close. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm real close. Thanks, Andy. I was looking for something to how do. How close are you now to a factory reset? Um, I am now moving away from one as opposed to moving towards one. I went ahead <laughs> and put a fresh install of eight of iOS 8.4 on my phone and um, a fresh Yosemite install on the MacBook Air. Um, uh, we joked about it during the last episode that I had already had the, I'd only had the MacBook for maybe a month and I'd already done one factory reset. Now I've had it for, again, just over a month and I've already done two. But I've, I, I was reading, I've been reading um, in my Instapaper queue here recently and I want to talk about Cues and inboxes and feed aggregators and things like that in a minute. But I was reading, um, I've read a couple articles here recently, one by uh, Ben Brooks in particular, about starting fresh and starting with like a brand new, fresh, clean install, not bringing things over and just installing them or downloading them as you need them. 
Um, the same thing happened to me when I was at the Apple store, when I got my new, when I got my new iPhone, I was already set and ready to go from the whole migration table before they even got a chance to shake my hand and welcome me to the table because I don't, I don't see the need in moving over a lot of different backups. I am not remarkably attached to things digitally. And I don't know, I don't know why I am remarkably attached to a jacket that my mom wore for three years when I was in the fourth, fifth, and sixth grade and will travel from here to New York to Portland back here with it and, you know, make sure I never lose it. But my entire digital music collection can be erased and I'm like, eh, we'll just start over. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know where, where the line is there. Like, I don't. Yeah. I wish I had some old text files to look at. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know. Like, I I think that the thing, the only digital thing that I, like the text files, I, I could get rid of more easily than, let's say, like family photos. Right. And that wouldn't be that big of a deal. But sometimes when I think about how all of my uh, family photos, like very few of them are digital. I just get a little panicky thinking like, oh, my God, what if there's a flood or a fire or something? They're all gone. So uh, one of these days I'm going to try to invest in like putting some of those digitally. Yeah, there are companies that do that. Yeah, yeah. And it's just a matter of like, do I take the time and do it myself or do I pay somebody to do it? And I haven't figured that out yet. No, I... And I'm, I may draw some ire on this one. What's the deal with photos? <laughs> What's the deal with photos? Yeah, like, I don't, I, I just don't, I can see the short momentary sort of this is what the moment was like. And I also have some photos around here of like my grandparents, but there's like, well, I was going to say there was like over 100 pictures on my phone. There's not any pictures on my phone right now. <laughs> but before <laughs> I raced things today, there were, you know, more than 100 different pictures on my phone. And I guarantee you three quarters of those were of my dogs. I'm never going to look at those again. <laughs> Speak for yourself. I, I, I have so many pictures of my cats that my wife and I will often go through again. <laughs> I have an entire, another Tupperware box full of photos um, that I took on like scout trips. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these are photos of either the same people or the same trees or the same tents. Like out of context, these don't mean anything to me. Why are, and I want to have Rob on at some point to talk about digital analog photo management because yeah. he dabbles in both of those uh, professionally. So I'm not going to get too far into photos now, but I just don't, am I, am I, an un, am I unfeeling because I just don't get it? No, no, I don't think so. Well, let, let me, let me, I don't want to get down into too heavy emotional territory here. Oh but no, we started the podcast with that. We already got that we flushed did. out of the way. <laughs> so like how, how, how long ago did your mother die? If I may. Um, it will be, uh, what is today numerically? Uh, 2015. What? I know that. Mostly I, I'm just I, looking for you. July the 20th. Uh, mm. well, the reason I say that is because, uh, in, on Wednesday it will be 12 years. Okay. So, like, I, I I feel like that is long enough ago where you might just sort of, like, realize to yourself, and I'll, I'll rather than that, maybe I'll just use myself as an example. I, I was pretty close to my grandmother, and she always, like, lived down the street from me, and I spent a lot of time there as a child, and I... She died in 2007, which wasn't that long ago, and sometimes I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, wait, like, what color was her hair? I can't remember. And then I'll go and I can find a photo pretty easily and check that out and see like, oh, it was like, you know, bright red when she was younger and it kind of faded to a 
yellowish, like white when she was older. And I think that's where a photo really comes in handy. It just kind of shows you what everything looked like in that point in time. That 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 is some really deep stuff. And I guess I really, I didn't think about it like that. But yeah. as I was going through, I have um, one of those Tupperware boxes. Apparently we have a lot of those around here. I have one of those under my side of the bed where I keep some things because we used to have nightstands, regular nightstands with drawers in them. Uh, And now we have, uh, as you may have noticed in the aforementioned design sponge feature, um, wooden swing style nightstands that Mm -hmm. I made and are suspended from the ceiling. They don't have any storage space in them. And my wife is very anti-clutter. So the only thing I have on mine is like a lamp and a field notes and a pencil in case I wake up in the night and have to stab something and then patch the blood with paper. Um, or I have an idea. That's typically a more standard use yeah. for those things. Just saying, multi-purpose. That's why I keep them around. No, so I have one of those boxes that goes underneath my bed, and I have a basket over there that I keep some books in and things. And as I was going through those yesterday, I did see um, a photo of my mom because my uh, that I won't go into details here. My mom had um, cancer, so she didn't really look like herself as she was getting towards the end. So we had photos of her up at uh, at her visitation. So I guess having those photos around and. I found the one that was kind of the central photo that we had that I thought about putting back up on my nightstand, which I may do when we finish this episode, as a matter of fact, because now you got me all uh, all uh, sentimental and shit. Um, yeah. I, I guess I, I see your the point I'm trying to make here is I guess I see your point when it comes to having photo when, when you talk about having photographs around uh, for things like that. But I, I just don't get having so like there are people that have terabytes of photos and storage and i I get that some of those are like raw files and they're massive in size which come on dog you're never going to print those like why why are they this big and part of that is because and as i'm sure rob can attest to people have over time drastically changed the way they take photos like you know all of the photos that my parents would have in albums are you know like maybe five photos for an event of something going on whereas like if i had a dslr i would take 200 photos per event and most of them would look exactly the same because I might as well be a photojournalist and just go click, 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 click. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then and then people wouldn't take photos of just like little funny signs they saw or, hey, my cat is being cute. I'm going to take a photo of that, uh, which happens to me like 60 times a day. Um, so they, they would, I guess, I guess people generally would take photos of more or save photos of more significant occasions or just more of a, they would... They would be more intentional with their photo taking because like when things take up physical room on film that you have to then go pay physical money to actually produce and see, um, I think it would be a little bit different. Um, so, so yeah, like, like old photos, just keeping an, an historical archive of, of your family's history and photos, I think is important if you have the privilege of being able to do that, I guess. I've always sort of like seen myself as this generation of my family's like documentarians. I like my my grandmother kept a lot of things and then she passed that down. And my aunt was sort of like the person after that to keep a lot of the stuff. And she just moved into a small house and she's been shipping me things from oh, my family. Like, Thanks. <laughs> I live in a place where it has the highest cost of living in the country. Uh, the highest <laughs> per, per square foot. Thanks. Stop um, sending me these things. <laughs> But but like I'm I'm a big believer in you know taking that and then figuring out how to digitize that um, because you know well we all use like JPEGs today presumably if 30 years in the future we don't use JPEG there will be something uh, in between to convert those over to whatever quantum file format or whatever it, we might it's use. actually Word Perfect format everything's just okay. going to be stored in Word Perfect <laughs> WPS yes. lasts forever that, at, the, at that point yeah so so I, I I do find value in 
documenting and archiving and being there because, you know, I look at my grandparents' old stuff and I'm fascinated by it. And I love the idea of future generations being able to take this and find some value in it. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it absolutely, it absolutely does make sense. I, I think the word value is the most important part there. And that's... And it's really subjective. Like, I can't, I'm not going to sell my family photos. Although although you can, there is a website. I'll have to find out where it is. Um, and eBay has a big business, too, of taking old... Um, old photos from like the early 1900s or the late 1800s and then like selling them to you in a nice frame that you can use to just sort of like instantly create like a conversation piece. Couldn't you, couldn't you just buy a frame? You could, I guess. Yeah. But they'll, they'll take old photos that have nothing to do with you and sell them to you. Um, oh, oh, okay. 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 Yeah, I yeah, thought yeah, you yeah. meant that you were sending someone take a photo <laughs> no, of no, like no. your great grandmother and then they were sending it back to you in a frame. And I was like, you don't it's, know uh, how it's a frame thing. It's, it's my new startup. It's called Framer with, with no E. No E. Um, yeah. It's like, it's like uh, Uber, but for pictures. Uber, but for pictures of older people who <laughs> right. may or may not still be with us. Do you, um, do you keep old cell phones and old digital devices and old tape recorders? Maybe not tape recorders aren't the same thing. Um, like, do you keep <laughs> old digital media? I mean, we talked about your text files and things like that. Uh, I ask because as I was going through my stuff yesterday, I began to create a pile of old devices and old like Nintendo DS games that I don't play or touch or deal with anymore. Namely, so I can take them to the used bookstore slash huge. It's the used store. Yeah. So I can trade them in. I'd rather have credit at McKay than have a first generation Kindle fire sitting under my bed. You're, you're, you're the, you're the youngest sibling, right? No, not, not by a long shot. No. Um, my brother is, uh, eight years older than me. And then my dad got remarried and had me. And then I have a younger sister. Um, she, Oh, so I'm okay. I'm the half middle child. That's a technical term. I um like old cell phones and stuff. I've always sort of just passed them down to whoever's you know whoever needs a cell phone below me. So I, I don't have a lot of like old cell phones. I actually we do have Katie's old uh, iPhone 3G that we sort of have been using as a like a jukebox sort of. Okay. Even though nowadays with you know an Apple TV and and the cloud we don't really do that anymore but i, I do we do have a iphone 3g sitting around uh, but other than that i don't have a lot of like old stuff like that i guess i guess pencils i it would be old technology i do have some typewriters which so they're not anything that i ever like used myself like regularly or i depended on i should say but i do have that kind of old technology i just don't have like a lot of my own I- does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, that makes sense. I have an old, um, I, it's funny that you bring up the jukebox thing, because I have an old LG Android phone that I pulled out the other day. That was the one that kind of got me originally hacking and modding and ROMing and whatever the other acronyms are-ing uh, for Android phones that I strongly consider just making into a Roku remote. Um, hmm. The problem is I currently have the router set up to broadcast on wireless N, and it's not old enough, or <laughs> it's too old to pick up wireless N. I think all it picks up is wireless G. Uh, so it kept oh, trying to obtain the IP address for about four minutes yesterday, and I was like, this really isn't worth it. I'll just yeah, no. I'll just trade this in somewhere. Um, I'll tell you what I do have a lot of. So I have that, and I have um, an old – talking about acronyms. I have an old 
HTC Evo 4G LTE, which is the first, Oof. I know, the first real LTE phone that uh, Sprint marketed. I um, I have a friend who's actually, um, it's Elizabeth's Cousins, uh, ran an- the blog Android and Me for a while, and he had a tester phone from Sprint hmm. that he wasn't going to use, and he sent it to me, and it was great until the day that I couldn't figure out why it was so hot, and I took it out of my pocket and turned it off, and then it re- um, refused to boot after that. Ooh. It was weird. Burnout. Yeah, I, I did it probably with one of the hack ROM mod acronyms things that I did to it. Um, I do have a lot of boxes for them. Uh, we got uh, somebody asked a question on Twitter to us today. Uh, Curly McD, which is a, <laughs> Curly McD. That's a Twitter name if there ever was one. Asked if we kept old boxes for things. Like, well, maybe not just things like that, but like, um, I know you're more of a pencil guy than a pen guy, but things like boxes and packaging for, um, I don't know, for things that we find valuable. I kept, for some reason, I kept phone boxes for the longest time. I have phone boxes. I have, um, I usually keep my uh, laptop box for the length of time that I have a laptop because then when I go to sell it to the next person, I can just put it back in the box. Oh, or if I'm wise. taking it back to the Apple store or something like that, I can, you know, transport it in that. I I had an iMac for a while and that thing just like got stuck back in the box and transported. It was it was its own best carrying case. Yeah, yeah. That, make, no, that, make, that makes perfect sense. I actually have been really kind of hoarding the um, Baron Fig Confidant boxes. They're really nice. I like them. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, I'm a, I'm a fan of. I think I actually shipped you something in a Baron Fig box. I think you did because You're they right. were because they were they're good strong boxes. Yeah. They really go all out with the packaging. They do. Yeah. They they know like Apple. They know the the value of good packaging design. Do you have any of the new Workplay notebooks? Did they come in good packaging too? Do you know? I do. I do have the new Workplay one and it it, uh, it comes in that little box like the Confidants do, do. Okay. Just like really tightly packed so it doesn't like rattle around. Crack the corners yeah. and things like that. And they, they, yeah. they, they do a good job. Thank you, Joey yeah. and Adam and the other everly increasingly large team uh, <laughs> yeah. over at Baron Fig. Good for them. So, so I, I usually, yeah, I keep my technology boxes but I definitely... There was a point at which I was keeping a box to apply an appliance that I sort of uh, was reeducated about. Okay. Like why why are you why are you keeping this? Why why would we ever use this box again? And part partially, you know, is for you know when we move, we can just kind of pack it back in there and, and haul it. But uh, this last time, we had a moving company move us, and that was me. Uh, that's going to be the next. That has been one of my. That's I don't want to say the other sticking point, but that's my other must. If we decide to move again, I'm not carrying all this shit again, Andy. I'm just not. It's not cheap, but it's worth it in just like the cognitive and physical stress of moving when we moved to new york um Mm -hmm. and then moved out of new york we did all of the packing and literally just paid people to load and unload the truck oh that's useful it was amazing yeah (laughs) it was especially by the when we got there because we had driven 19 hours and then didn't have a place and then got a place but had to live in a hotel for a week because our place wasn't ready yet. Um, By the time we actually got to move in, I didn't w- I didn't even want to see that stuff. Like oh, we yeah. could have just start over. Yeah, we could have just left the truck abandoned somewhere and just bought new everything. But 
that was probably and then when we left it was about 12 degrees outside and it had just started snowing the day before but as New York is wont to do there's already about I don't know 17 and a half feet of snow on the ground really glad I didn't have to load up in that so how did you do it when you moved from New York to Portland that's what I'm saying we had people load, oh, 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 oh. load in there and then yeah, yeah, we drove yeah. across the country um, the only place we didn't see snow was the Ohio Welcome Center it was five days of nothing but it was the mm. most snow that Oregon's had in a hundred years oh wow that should have been a sign welcome to Oregon yeah we had to stop mm. and leave the truck um, we drove all night through from Montana through because we didn't want them to close down the interstate in the Columbia River Gorge again because it gets it's very windy there mm-hmm. um, and the winds were blowing in excess of 45 or 50 miles an hour uh, at the regular and when you're driving a 22 foot moving truck across snow covered bridges the wind yeah you're mm-hmm. a little more susceptible so we drove straight through and got I don't know within about what is normally about 30 minutes of Elizabeth's mother's uh, apartment and they had closed the interstate going into Portland. Mm. We stopped uh, at a truck stop and ended up having to leave the U-Haul there for a week. Well, apparently, we just abandoned all of our earthly possessions in U-Hauls on a regular basis in <laughs> random pla- in random places. Well, maybe that's got something to do with the fact that I'm not overly attached to things. Because I, I can just leave a U-Haul and not really worry about it. Talking a little more about digital, the last thing I kind of wanted to talk about uh, is something that I'm thinking may be near and dear to your heart just because um, it's a Merlin man thing. Are you an inbox zero kind of person? Mm. And you can use inbox however you want to look at it. Maybe it's the Instapaper pocket cues. Maybe it's, uh, I don't know, your reader RSS stuff. Maybe you're, are you a Twitter completionist? Uh, I am not a Twitter completionist, which was very intentional because I sort of realized at some point um, that if I wanted to follow the number of people I wanted to follow, I would have to leave that behind me. So, but what if you miss something? Well, if I miss something, either if it's going to be important enough to find me again, which is what Twitter's good for, um, or I'm just going to miss it. Do you use Nuzzle? Um, I actually, surprisingly, learned about Nuzzle for the first time. Um, I can't remember if it's you or Jake. Sometimes I get you guys confused. That's a common misconception. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no uh, one of you uh, was like, oh, what about Nuzzle? And I was like, oh, this is handy. So sometimes I'll use Nuzzle. Um, I, I don't know. I... Um, so going, let's talk about Inbox Zero first. I, I am not an Inbox Zeroer uh, in the definition that Merlin uses. I am an Inbox Zeroer in that I just like to archive things, and if somebody replies, it'll pop back up. Um, so so I, I will use Mailbox to the point where it gets down and says Inbox Zero, but that is not in the uh, intention of how Merlin intended Inbox Zero. Does that make sense? Yeah. What are you? Uh, what mail client are you using on the Mac? Um, on the Mac, I'm using Air. Airmail. Airmail, okay. I was going to say, because yeah. the, the mailbox beta has not been kind to me. I, um, I am not using mailbox right now because it will not support the um, the technology that my work email address is. And I would rather just keep everything under one client rather than use two clients. But I did, when I, when I only had various Google accounts as my various email boxes, uh, I used mailbox and on my phone and my desktop, and it was amazing. And Super great, and I'll probably switch back to it when and if they support some some modified exchange. I'm using Mail, and the only thing I dislike is the fact that when I swipe, it wants me to delete things, and I can't archive them. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm using AirMail on my desktop and Spark on my laptop or my the other one, the phone on the phone. Yeah, and it's 
pretty great. I know a lot of people who don't like Spark because there's just so much UI, but I I like it. There's a, there is a lot of UI there, um, you know, with the rounded corners and the colors and things like that. But I really like the functionality of it. It's what I'm using uh, yeah. as well. Those read receipts are gold, and I and we can still use them. Thank, thankfully, yeah. I I'm, I'm as opposed to you noobs. Yeah, I really like the Spark uh, there, and I'm using Mail on my computer for the yeah. other stuff, RSS and read it later and things like that. I'm using ReadKit. Mm. which I like a great deal because I can have RSS and Instapaper in there. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I'll go through my RSS feeds and just flick things over to Instapaper pretty quickly. And then I can jump right into Instapaper and read them. Uh, we talked a lot on the reading episode about how I do a lot of my reading on the Kindle through Instapaper and things like that, but I can never really... I don't know that since I've started Instapaper slash pocket slash readability, I don't know that I've ever been below a dozen articles. I turned that badge off, Andy Welfley. I don't want to see that number. I definitely let it build up more than I should and just occasionally declare bankruptcy and just clear it out. Usually, It's usually because I am full of good intentions about reading this big New Yorker piece. Right? That, yeah. And I'm like, oh, yes, I will read this on the train. It'll be so great. And then it's, you know, something, it's so long. They're so long. I, I read the ones about sleep for some future episode. Yeah, I got to do uh, that. And, and they were really short, which was great, um, comparatively to, like, other New Yorker stuff. But I, oh, man. Yeah, I am not a... Inbox Zero user of Readalator services. Current Readalator, I'm looking at 59 articles. That does not count the three that are in the podcast topics folder. The one that is in the post ideas folder, because, you know, I write on my blog pretty often. I did start doing yeah. more stuff on my Tumblr this you week. You did. I saw something on your Tumblr. Yeah, I, uh, and then I um, actually pulled that quotation out of your article for Tumblr today. It's where I'm putting up pictures of the dogs. I don't know. I'm, I'm, enjoying, I'm enjoying using Tumblr because it's easy. Uh, and then I have 11 of the articles to which... You were just referring that I just call long reads. Um, I am looking at these titles now, and I don't remember ever saving any of these. Well, sometimes I think they just sneak them in on. Uh, that's probably what it is. They see something no, that's called long reads, and they're like, "Hey, we have uh, we have a subscription service called that. Let's just automatically feed him things called Wel- Welcome Back to School Shootings and Dream Thieves Inside <laughs> America's Ban on Sleep." Ooh, that might be a good one for the sleep episode. <laughs> I think so. So, so here, here's the thing, though. Like, well, Google has. With Gmail, at least, has kind of enabled us to be digital hoarders. We don't, you know, we don't really delete things; we archive them, and they just give you so much space that you barely ever, unless unless every email has a twelve gigabyte or megabyte attachment, um, there's no reason to delete emails. You might as well just archive them. And and at this point, is deleting and archiving serving the same purpose? It, I mean, it is for me. The I get the same enjoyment out of going back and looking at old emails that I assume you get out of looking at your uh, book report on St. Francis of Assisi. I'll go back and look at old emails, maybe not all of them, but I can go back and look at the first couple of emails that I sent when I got Gmail when I was a sophomore, junior in college. Uh, I have the emails in there that were the first methods of correspondence I had with my wife because we met um, on the internet. So I can go back and look at those every once in a while. Um, I can go back and this has been really handy. Go back and look for old cover letters and resumes because I need to edit them now that I'm going back and trying to go back into a similar field uh, as now that I'm trying to go back into communications as opposed to education and things like that. So I guess I use that email as sort of a the same kind of storage way that you do your mirroring of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, my my email is my time machine. Do you have any old logs of uh, AIM conversations? I don't anymore. I guarantee. Um, oh, you know what? I may on 
the massive like three and I have one of those three and a half inch hard drives that come in towers. I have yeah. one of those in my closet because I'm obviously going to buy the thing that I need to hook it up and transfer those files to the Mac <laughs> since 90% of them won't be compatible because they're all Windows stuff. Um, I have that hard drive from the machine that I bought when I was a freshman in college. So I guarantee hmm. you if I don't have AIM logs, I will still have a list somewhere of my old AIM away messages, yeah. which are probably better than the message logs, to be honest yeah, with like you. Like some third eye blind lyrics. And oh those. my gosh, they used to be so long and... And so cryptic and yeah. oh the day of the away message where have you gone <laughs> the, you know what the kids are doing now is they're, they're putting the equivalent of the away message in the location part of the instagrams have you, oh, have you seen that's this true. i have seen that it's like extra information in there i don't yeah. I, I don't get it but i guess it's probably better than having them say that they're at you know like disneyland or something because it's a picture people know you're at disneyland yeah uh, i don't get the instagrams of the young people andy I mean, you've been out of the business for like a good, what, three months now? Yeah, and we're, we're running up on, let's see, all of June and all of July. Yeah, running up on two yeah. months now. Oh, man. All, all of the all of the hippity-hoppity has fallen out of your head. I know. I, and we keep saying that we're at some point going to talk about me changing jobs. And I'll tell you what, I'm probably going to talk about that with my brother on Wednesday. He and I are going to record an episode of the ever-absent stuff and things. And I think it's just yeah. going to be he and I. Um, so hopefully those of you that are... Uh, that keep up with the other podcasts on the Nerd Uprising Network will have that in your um, podcast catcher feeder things in a week or so. I don't know how long it's going to take him to edit it, but he and I are just going to wing it. So maybe I'll get a chance to talk about that a little more if any, if you or anyone else are in, is interested in why I decided I wasn't going to go back to the classroom this fall. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't get the young peoples anymore. Yeah. It's a shame that they're, they're the future. So, so what have we come away with in our discussion of digital hoarding and analog hoarding? Um, that we both do some form of it, that we don't understand it, and that we should probably seek help. That's probably good. At least, at least we know that we're not saving bottles of our pee. There are no <laughs> comments here. Um, you can, however, give us feedback on the episode that you are currently listening to or any episodes you may want to hear about in the future. Uh, the best way to do that for me personally is to tweet at me. Uh, I am at Will Fangy, W-I-L-L-F as in Frank, A-N-G-U-Y on Twitter. Willfangy.tumblr.com is the Tumblr that I mentioned earlier. Andy, if I wanted to read things written by you, either limited to 140 characters or perhaps longer, what's the best way to do that? Hmm, Probably by going to uh, at a Wellfully on Twitter, A-W-E-L-F as in Frank, L-E. Actually, I should say, I'm going to switch it up. Uh, A-W-E-L-F as in Fancy. L-E. That's appropriate. Um, and then um, I guess I linked to my thing on Medium, which is at medium.com slash at a Wellfleet. I want to go ahead and clarify uh, that's a link to your thing and not a link to a picture of your thing. That's not a thing that yes. we're going to have. No, none. My thing is not on the internet, as far as I know. That we know of. <laughs> um, so, and, and it really, if you just go to at if you just go to wealthly.com, you can see links to all of the various things I write. Um, at Wood Clinched is my pencil blog. Um, there's a corn-fed yeah. con- content strategy blog floating around out there. Oh, 
Oh, I don't. I haven't updated that thing in forever. Well, it's got some stuff out there. Um, yeah. If you appreciate and enjoy the material that you've heard Andy and myself create via our voice boxes this evening, we would greatly appreciate uh, a goodwill donation at our Square Cash address. Which, by the way, if you're not using Square Cash, you're not doing it right. We would love it if you gave us a dollar, or five dollars, or ten dollars, or I don't know, whatever. You can three hundred dollars. Three hundred dollars would be spectacular, and we don't have to pretend like it's going into the MacBook Fund anymore. We can actually turn it around and we're just going to buy beer with it. We're going to buy booze straight oh, up. Well. well, you can probably get better beer than I can, but would it ship? We can ship it in the Baron Fig boxes. There, there you go. I don't think that would work. No. Um, <laughs> Anyhow, if you want to give us a couple dollars, we would be we would be happy to turn that around into uh, stickers and advertising, not advertising fees, uh, stickers and designs fees for uh, TJ Cosgrove, so he can design us some fancy stickers and another logo. Anyway, the best way to do that: cash.me slash dollar sign nerd uprising. There will be a link in the show notes this time. Um, you can also get in touch with Andy and myself at the same time without using as many characters as you would need to were you to tweet at us individually by tweeting at dot grid podcast or by using the hashtag ask.grid we get those questions comments concerns and suggestions simultaneously um which often leads to confusion because we're on different time zones and sometimes one of us is sleeping namely me because i don't have a job and i take naps (laughs) um i feel like it's a good thing we got this episode out of the way i think so and i um i'm a little uh upset that we have not yet mentioned harry marks oh there it is and i i was able to do it though thanks um we we probably could have found a way to get him in there and get him in here some way yeah Uh, he strikes me as the kind of guy that probably has old short stories saved on his computer i would think so from like you know from the fourth grade. Age 12. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, Harry, if you're listening, and we know you are because you do, uh, send us those and we'll put, um, we'll, we'll have a link to them in the show put notes for the next blog. episode. Put that on our blogs. Cornfred Corn Fred Content Strategy. I just got you a new blog post courtesy of <laughs> Harry Marks. Oh. Andy Welfley, it's been, um, I was going to say a pleasure, but that's kind of weird because we've been talking about your thing. So it's been, it's, it's, uh, been, it's been fun. We should sit down again a couple weeks and do this again. Sounds good. All right, man. See ya.